Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Goldmine readers and listeners. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine. In this podcast episode, we'll be covering something that is debated in the November issue. The November issue has something in the grooves section called 20 Albums That Invented Progressive Rock by Martin Popoff. And we'll have Martin Popoff on the air with Roy Avin. And Roy also has a book coming out about progressive rock. He'll tell you more about that when he comes on. And we'll also, we'll be debating these 20 albums. If uh, We'll see if Martin has made the right choice. But you can pick this up and, and read it all for yourself. It's in the November issue on pages 12 and 13. But please pick it up at Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. And... Read it for yourself. It's it's very good. And next issue, we're going to have uh, the 20 albums that invented grunge. So anyway, we'll be back with Roy and Martin right after this message. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine, the music collector's magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Well, welcome, Roy. Welcome, Martin, to the Goldmine Podcast. We're going to be talking about progressive rock and Roy, maybe you can uh, start first talking about your book and other things that uh, you're up to. Okay, are we? Uh, we're going. We're off. All right, great. Um, Party. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, uh, it's very cool to be on this with you guys, especially Martin. You and I have talked before, and Martin actually advised me a little bit on the book in the beginning. So. So I have to thank him for that. Um, cool. The book is uh, is called The Essential Modern Progressive Rock Albums, uh, Images and Words from Rock's Most Celebrated, from Prague's Most Celebrated Albums from 1990 to 2016. And the, um, the premise behind it was to uh, focus more on the last 20, I guess 26 years uh, of progressive rock and, and give some shine to some of the lesser-known bands over the last uh, you know quarter century, some of the bigger albums over that period, some of the bands that have brought progressive rock back to some uh, sense of uh, credibility, you know, especially in the last maybe 10 years. It's had a big return and right. resurgence. And um, yeah, and, and so that's been, uh, it's been nice to see a, a great response to the book. Um, you know, I had a chance to, it took me almost two years to do it, and I had a chance to go back and interview a lot of the bands that made a lot of these albums from 
uh, Dream Theater to Stephen Wilson to Spock's Beard and Opeth and, and all these great bands. And um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to uh, to put together. And I really, really wanted to make a point of not including some of the classic bands, uh, you know, Yes, Rush, Genesis and so on, who all had albums within that period. But, uh, you know, the, the I felt like they there's so many books on them uh, with so many interviews and, and so many things about different albums that they've did and, and so on that it, to include them would even defeat the point with what I was trying to accomplish. So uh, right. I think, you know, well, that, that leads in well to what we're going to be talking about uh, in a few minutes, which is a, a feature that it's going to be a regular feature that Martin does for Goldmine, uh, 20 albums that invented. And this, and this month, it's Progressive Rock in the November issue. So that talks about all the bands like Yes and so on. And you cover a unique area where you said, what, it starts in 1990? Yeah, correct. Yeah, that is. Do you cover a section about Stephen Wilson's uh, remastering of different albums? Uh, no, not no, not particularly. The, the The way the book works is each chapter is specifically about just one album. So they're short chapters. They're they're about four to six pages each with pictures from that era of the of the band, um, which was which was really a challenge in itself to get, but uh, but I was able to accomplish. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, we cover. There's about fifty. I want to say fifty four main chapters where where those albums get more fleshed out with um, interviews by the band, the process behind the recordings, reasons behind certain songs they, they wrote and so on. And and um, and, and then there's uh, an appendix at the end that adds about another 16 albums that, uh, you know, to me always felt like they were on the borderline of, of are they prog or are they not? Stuff like Coheed and Cambria, Radiohead, uh, Tool, um, mm-hmm. you know, a few albums by those bands where they're sort of on the border the borderline um but really uh, the rest of it is just a uh, album by album by album with uh, album cover art and and so on really focusing on just the the albums themselves i see gee i wonder if dream theater's in there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well you, you know it, it's very funny one of the funny things that uh you learn when when putting it together and, and maybe martin can speak to this a little bit is uh trying to get album cover art which you think would be so easy and especially, well, nowadays it's it's easy because album art is made on computers and it's saved and stored and, and archived and easy to get in high res and everything. But when you go back to albums like in the early 90s, and this was for a lot of them in the 90s that I that I had trouble with mostly, albums like Images and Words and Awake and, and Spock's Beard, The Light and stuff, they, the artwork was like nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. You know, even the record labels at best they could do is send me a picture of an album and, and call it high res cause they took right. it in, in high megapixels or something. And so this was, uh, this was really funny. It's just stuff that they never anticipated the digital format to come, you know, 20, 25 years from when they were making the albums and they just didn't account for it. And then you have a lot of, uh, genres, you know, that there's sh- sub genres from, uh, the, modern progressive rock like um, martin you talk about them a lot that go into metal you called one math math prog or math metal haven't you 
Well, um, you know, I, I guess this is one of the problems I have. I'll just speak speak sort of in a wider general sense because my article is about the very beginnings and Roy's book is about much, much later. But just yeah. in general, um, when I've always thought about writing books on Prague, and, and I had this discussion with Roy as well, but um, yeah, what I find, um, there are no sort of edges uh, or, or less edges the way heavy metal has pretty decent edges. Um, <clears throat> where you can tell, you know, the spokes of the wheel go out. Um, well, with, with heavy metal, it's not so much the spokes of the wheel go out. But with prog, the problem is like, hey, why don't you do a book of, um, you know, like, like of my old heavy metal record review books, do a book on all the prog albums, right? Well, the problem is, I always find, is that, um, you know, prog goes in a metal direction. Prog goes in an alternative direction and keeps going for miles and miles and miles. Prog goes in a new age direction. Prog, prog goes in a jazz fusion direction and keeps yeah. going for miles and miles and miles. There is no edge to what prog is. So, so that I always found a problem with this whole thing. So, so what I'm what I've done with this article is it's just the the roots of Prague. But what I might also do right now I'm in the middle of updating uh, my old top 500 heavy metal songs of all time book, and I'm actually going to make a top five uh, top 250 heavy metal songs of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I'm going to do three separate books coming up. But I've often thought, okay, I could do the top progressive rock songs of all time. I could do the top progressive rock albums of all time and just ask people and take a poll. And what happens is when you when you apply a democracy to what Prague is, that's when you get the real answer, right? And that's where you, you can actually, like, the thing is, if I, if I polled people, and this is where it kind of gets boring, because if I polled people and said, give me the top 500 progressive rock albums of all time. Yeah. You would absolutely end up with every single Genesis album, every single Yes album, every single Dream Theater album. Right. And all the big bands, you you have the core bands which are no more than 25, 30 bands. Mm. And I oh, even that is generous. <laughs> what's Yeah, and and I would exactly, and I would literally be writing about or forced to write about because they would make the poll democratically, mathematically. I would literally be writing about every single Yes album. I'd have a little capsule review of every one. So that makes me almost think, okay, this would get boring, and maybe I don't have a book there. So I've always grappled with prog rock books. I mean, I have written three Rush books, a Yes book, and a Pink Floyd book. But when it comes to trying to figure out, trying to trying to wrestle this uh, this greased pig that is Prague, and where does it end? Like I say, it literally is spokes of a wheel. There are certain things in the very hub that you think of as Prague, but bloody hell, every single direction um, well, just goes for miles and miles. That's my problem. It is. It's gotten even more so, even of the last five ten years, Martin. And I think it, my view has been recently that. Rock has sort of faded a little bit in the mainstream, not a little bit, a lot. And there's a lot of bands that, to find an audience, are calling themselves prog and, and allowing to be on the prog labels. And they really, 20 years ago, would have no business being mentioned in the genre. Bands like, uh, you know, the Mute Gods and, and uh, all these different, you know, Periphery and all these different bands that are either alternative or metal or um, or or pop, you know, Anathema is more a pop band, pop rock band than anything, really. But because there's no real place for these bands to lie, 
it's easy for them to go into the prog banner because one of the advantages of that of that label is the prog audience is really open to uh, different styles of it, which is what you were saying. It can be jazz, it can be math, it can be this. And and a prog audience listener is really more open to all of that. If As long as it's interesting, mm-hmm. they're willing to sort of accept it. And prog has become this humongous umbrella now that, that is uh, uh, really more accepting of all different genres underneath. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. pretty cool. Yeah, Roy, because if you asked me, what do you listen to that one of your favorite bands of prog and to me, they could be categorized as Prague, and I've heard them categorized as Prague. Uh, but out at the drive-in, which became Mars Volta, um, they, to me, are very fall under the umbrella because they're very challenging. Their, their music moves in many different directions. Um, they're often called art rock, right? punk rock, or you know, alternative rock, or whatever. But they could fall... I, to me, they could fall under Prague. Well, Mars Mars Volta is is one of the bands in my appendix there that I include uh, alongside some of those bands I mentioned. You know, Radiohead and Tool and all that. Where they they're listed as progressive rock, but maybe not. They're not really under the traditional sense because the traditional Prague label is always applied to Yes and Genesis and right. ELP and and all of that. But it's become uh, way much more than that in the in the last twenty five years. And then where do you fit Voivod? Voivod is always considered metal, right? But right, yeah. But then they go and they win a prog award a year ago. <laughs> so, I was, which was news to me. I never thought of them as prog, and all of a sudden, yeah, they're they're developing this this prog uh, add-on. So, yeah, who knows? Well, so see, I what think, happens there is but, with Voivod right. is you you get a situation where there are different ways people define prog, and one of them is conceptualness so Voivod has the conceptual storylines that you know yeah. a rarity among bands um, some do it but Voivod definitely is a good example where they where the storyline uh, you know loosely goes through all the albums kind of thing or, or the same sort of idea anyways um, and then and then you've got the artwork so so you know it, it all comes down to all these varying definitions of prog there's there's certainly a conceptual thing there's a lyrical thing some might say there's a philosophical thing that attaches to the lyrics there's a musical thing some purists might not like the the loud brain math rock relapse core math core version of prog um you know they'll run completely in the other direction because they want the pastoral you know all the way back to even canterbury sound and you know caravan and and bands like that some you know that's another folk of or that's another spoke of the prog wheel is folk prog right so you can go you can go in so many directions but um but yeah the, the problem is um i guess there are prog tendencies to a lot of these bands but you're going to be considered more of a pure prog band if you have more of the conservative uh you know uh, metaphors uh or 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 you know characteristics attached to it so i would say arguably you know the biggest prog band of the last while that fits everything quite well would be porcupine tree mm. No, I would, yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Especially Stephen Wilson himself, and and uh, extending onto his solo career, um, I think he's done some of the most uh, prog, uh, traditional label sounding stuff um, in the last twenty years for sure. Yeah. 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 
And when they first came out, I, I don't know if I would consider them prog. I, I just... Um, well, their early stuff is really er, like early Pink Floyd. I mean, he, yeah. you know, Voyager 34 and, and uh, all that kind of stuff was really experimental. And, you know, yeah, more than... Ironic. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So let's, this goes to where Martin has written this great feature called 20 Albums That Invented Progressive Rock and talks about what influenced the bands now. What... What bands invented prog rock? And it's is it in a specific order, Martin? Well, I know Yes, Close to the Edge is number one. Um, yes, it's in an order that's chronological. And that yeah. I, I just figured that was... Do you want me to sort of try go through this quickly? Yes. Okay, all right. I'll, you know, I this could take a long time, so I definitely will try not not make it take a long time. <laughs> but So I'll, I'll go very quick. So... June 66, Mothers of Invention Freak Out. A lot of people consider that a prog album. It's conceptual. It's weird. Uh, a lot of a lot of people look at that as a as a instrumental album in the early days. Sgt. Pepper. People look at that as a conceptual thing oh. and proggy as well. A lot of the prog bands just love the Beatles, but this is considered the most proggy album. You move into Pink Floyd and Moody Blues, so you're getting psych mixing with prog. You know, there was psych. Psych is different from Prague. Psych is a little more poppy, shorter songs, but then Psych kind of mixed or, or, or got more wild and more out there and more acid came in and it became Prague. So um, you're seeing, you're seeing the, the, uh, the birth of it around 68. The Who, Tommy. Um, the Who can be a little bit proggy in their music, but again, double album, conceptual. Amundul, you're starting to move into Kraut, uh, Krautrock. Um, these were very, very proggy things. Uh, they could break a lot of rules. They could have brass in there. Later on, they even had disco for some reason. Um, and then you get into 1969 with Yes and King Crimson. So here you're getting, uh, you're getting into Prague proper. Um, you know, a fascinating thing about Prague where it comes from. People say it's all English in the start because uh, in in schools there uh, that you know you you went up taking a lot of classical. Um, you did that in America and Canada too in the old days, but but over mm. there, you know, classical music comes from Europe and uh, and Prague comes from England, basically. Um, yeah. So King Crimson, you get your first dark Prague. Vandergraaf Generator and number 11, you get more dark Prague. Uh, you get Jethro Tull coming in and they're, they're adding a, a, you know, a spoke off of the wheel with this whole uh, blues and flute mixed in with Prague. Yeah. Um, you get Genesis, so now you get another arch prog band at number nine, um, exactly doing everything you want a prog band to do, uh, like all the characteristics, taking off all the boxes. You got ELP at number eight, um, and here you have even more. Um, you almost get a Who-like chaos out of ELP, but you also get a lot of classical, um, you know, really, really quoting from classical and almost giving you a classical lesson. Uh, number seven, Gentle Giant, you get your first uh, sort of second wave B-team prog bands coming up, um, even though it's only 1970, but all of a sudden there's even another wave, again, English. Uh, you get the Yes album at number six, so basically Yes has now given us three albums, and uh, the Yes album is almost your quintessential, perfect, exactly what you spec expect out of a prog album. Jethro Tull Aqualung, famous prog album. 
up to number four, Softer Prog in Caravan, Caravan in the Land of the Gray and Pink. Um, prog album covers. See, this one has a definite prog album cover. Number three, you get Pink Floyd Metal. Uh, so here you have a prog band in that uh, long songs, conceptual, very atmospheric, breaking a lot of rules all the time. But this is like already like their sixth album or something like that. Very bizarre. Um, number two, Genesis Nursery Crime. We're up into November 71. Again, everything you want a prog band to do. And then number one, um, I like the way I can end it. Um, you know, I, I kind of, um, you know, fudged it this way anyways, but we have 20. It's all chronological, but we end with Yes, Close to the Edge. Why? Because A, it's the quintessential prog album, and B, every time I've ever polled anybody on this topic, Yes, yeah. Close to the Edge always wins number one album. So there you it have really it. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> <And> we, <laughs> that was a great recap, by the way. Nice Thanks. job. It's an interesting that you ended it in 72 because you're talking about the albums that invented prog rock. And a lot of, I've seen a lot of articles and a lot of, you know, chapters and books saying that 73 was when prog rock became like a cemented term. Hmm. That's when it kind of began. Is that was that behind your thinking? Ending at 72 or? Well, I, I almost wanted to end, I really wanted to end with Close to the Edge because it is always voted the yeah. number one prog album of all time. Yes was huge too, which is quite interesting and it's almost like a real testimony to what people will accept. Just like I, I felt that way when Slipknot well, you know, went platinum, right? It's like, I can't believe people can accept this, right? Slayer. <laughs> um, but, but Yes at the time, you know, Yes was going gold and platinum all the time, but it's interesting. Uh, you know, it might be an interesting discussion, like when did prog jumped the shark when did Prague start getting ridiculed right it was probably mm. treated fairly seriously in the early days although there were always detractors um, because the idea was these people are just you know expressing their ego way too much they're just trying to show off how much can they play but um, you know I, I also have discussions with friends you know when when you know the the standard uh, storyline narrative is that oh punk blew away Prague and all this it's like well yeah. no Prague was Prague was a, a commercial juggernaut all through 78 79 you know and then and then it kind of went away a tiny bit but then Prague was big again with uh, you know the rebirth of yes and the rebirth of Genesis and and Asia for that matter and then Marillion coming along so Prague even had this extra little blip in the early 80s but no I think I think Prague was essentially a big from about 1970 through to let's say 1977 certainly I think it was when Prague became corporate so to speak uh, they tried to you know basically it be accepted on the radio yes never wanted to be accepted they just were chosen but you know I think of the last ELP album kind of like ah and then I, I think of Asia and all these uh, super groups that started happening in the 80s and then for me, that kind of like uh, I was like, I'm I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, there was that nice little time with Marillion, IQ, Palace, Magnum. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know the the post new wave of British heavy metal hangover the kind of thing I like yeah. to call it. the new wave of British prog, right? Um, but and I love the Yes album nine oh one two five oh five okay five. Uh, and and you know that was a huge album. I I loved. 
Genesis I didn't like so much at that era, but I love Duke and I love Abacab and I even love the Genesis self-titled album. So after that, it, it went a little downhill for me. But I, but almost my favorite Genesis is that is that shock. You know, and at the time also you had amazing, amazing Peter Gabriel albums. You had you had yeah. Robert Fripp exposure. You had uh, King Crimson going away and then coming back with three of my favorite prog albums of all time, the Red the yellow and the blue or the red the blue and the yellow um right the um the the famous albums with uh with bill bruford uh tony yeah. levin adrian Ballou, and robert fripp so that there's you know Prague prog has done some really cool things the whole idea is to be creative and break rules and keep moving forward swiftly and i think Prague did that now roy were there certain albums on here that surprised you on this list that martin no, at first, well, you know, at first when I read it, I didn't realize it was chronological, and I was, and I was like, well, he left off uh, Genesis Foxtrot, and he left off Going for the One, and you know, some of these different albums. But, but looking at it and realizing the the concept behind it and the chronological order, I think it's it's totally right on. Yeah. Um, you know, an ending with Close to the Edge at number one makes sense. It would, like he says, it's always the number one album when you when you go to these things. Um, you know, the problem when you do these lists, like Prog Magazine did one of these things, and and even in their top uh, 100 prog albums, for example, it always ends up being in the top, uh, you, let's say, 15 albums is basically divided between four bands. Yeah. And and it's just four of this one, four of this one, four of this yeah. one, and four of this one. Yeah. And that's sort of, you know, the, the way it always works out. It, actually, in my book, I sort of adopted that mentality a little bit in that the band's that were the biggest ones in this era, not nearly as big as in the 70s, but for argument purposes, it's Dream Theater, mm -hmm. uh, Opeth, um, you know, Porcupine Tree, Marillion, there's, there's a handful, and or Spock's Beard I include in there as well. And those, I, I capped at four albums, you know, no more than four albums per per band because you run into the same the same issue. Um, but... Uh, no, but I think you have to to look at this list and pull from the the Beatles is obviously an influence. Tommy is is a amazing concept album that still holds up today. Um, even uh, I'm not a big fan of of some of the Canterbury scene and stuff like uh, Caravan and all that, but that's yeah. indisputable as being influential in a big album from from that period. So yeah, right on. No, I, I remember I, you know this. The, the reason this list has to end very early is it is what invented Prague. That's why there yeah, exactly. can't be a going yeah. for the one or anything on it, right? I found an interesting comment of yours, Martin, uh, in the Who Tommy, which I agree, it's uh, one of the probably the first great conceptual album after Sgt. Pepper. Um, a little bit more conceptual because there's a more of a story, right? Um, sellout. The album Sellout, I thought that was a good mention because yeah. uh, it is like a um, freak out, uh, you know, four years later. I mean, I can't believe five years later. I can't believe freak out was 66. Mm -hmm. That is just amazing. Yeah. And, you know, we must mention the other albums usually mentioned as the first con concept albums were uh, our pretty things. Oh, what the heck is it called? Uh, oh, yeah. there's, there's a Pretty Things album, but there's also a couple Three Kinks albums. At, at yes, there are, and they're pretty good, right? Yeah. What do you think of um, also? You know, Pet Sounds could have been one that exactly. was in the in the early era, exactly, era as well. Exactly. Tinkering. That one gets mentioned a lot too. That's true. Yeah. There's a lot of tinkering. I never thought of Aqualong, Jethro Tull's Aqualong, as really prog. Um, 
Oh, it's but, definitive at this point for sure. Yeah, now I think about it more. Yeah, it's it's a favorite album of mine because I know it's played out in a lot of ways. But uh, how could you not like it? <laughs> yeah. I grew up with it. I mean, what you know, it was very popular in the. But it's Prague also in various ways. I mean, time signatures and tricky music, but even yeah. when they're being tricky about it, it sounds like Renaissance, medieval, ro royal, regal, British. It sounds yeah. very British, right? So it sounds, you it sounds. definitely hear the classical roots in there. But I and think it, they're one of the bands that you almost, not, not on purpose and maybe unfortunately, it gets blamed for the, um, you know, the mockery of it. And I think that he know he sort of attributed that in in thick as a brick, right? Yeah, um, but the the flute is a big prog thing, and and they obviously did that a lot, and the cape wearing and all that kind of like you said the Renaissance medieval sounding. And I think that kind of unfortunately contributed to to prog eventually sort of being made fun of because of that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's not forget the other reason Prague got made fun of was uh, yes, tales from tropographic ocean. Yeah, that's, that's the, it. That's right? the notorious Prague album that yeah. that turned everybody against Prague. Right? It was just so like mystical and weird and Eastern religion. Nobody could figure out what the heck was going on on it. Yeah. Double album. It had probably. Funny thing is, I like that album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people do. I mean, especially now, I think it's it's more appreciated in this era than it might have even been back then. Yeah. I, I, that's when you want to go into a metal, you know, very mellow mood. When you want to go into like the, the sort of like what I said with the uh, Voivod or, or you you mentioned some of the darker prog. <laughs> it's so some of it can get so disturbing. Yeah. Um, hey, you what are your guys' top five prog albums of all time? Ah, uh, that's such a hard question because it becomes very genre spread for me. You know. Um, I could I could throw some out there. I mean, um, Foxtrot is you know might be my favorite by Genesis. Uh, certainly, Images and Words is a big influential one for me. I tend to go more modern. Obviously, I think I think yeah. I've I think I've proven that about myself here. Um, uh, yes, is hard for me to pick one, um, but I I might go with Close to the Edge also. Uh, I, I'm a big Spock's Beard fan. I think they're underrated and, and completely important and influential in the last era. So I would pick something from them. Maybe The Light and uh, Stephen Wilson, The Raven They Refused to Sing is possibly my favorite album of the last five, ten years. Yeah, mine might... are all on your list, Martin. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, Close to the Edge, Sgt. Pepper, Pink Floyd, Piper, uh Tommy, because I do consider it that, uh, Jethro Tull Aqualong and Benefit, and um, I would say the Yes album. That that's an under to me. That's kind of underrated. Um, now I can't, you know, I, I never got into Gentle Giant or Caravan. Um, just never did. Uh, I do think they they're underrated, but uh, never got into it. There's a lot of bands today that in Prague that incorporate a lot of General Giant stuff. And you read reviews a lot and you hear things where they say, you know, this was influenced a lot by General Giant. And you hear that a lot with a lot of bands that come out now. Um, Neil Morris is a big one who does a lot of their vocal kind of acrobatics. Um, but no one ever can, no one ever says General Giant's one of my favorite bands, which is sort of a weird dynamic with them they get a lot of this praise for being influential but they don't get a lot of like the hits and, and that kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah. yeah 
I'm going to go right in between you two, and you know we've got we've got the old and we've got the slightly modern, and I I find myself. I find myself being in the middle era, actually. I, I really like, okay, for a real modern one, I love a Porcupine Tree, Fear of a Blank Planet. I play that all the time. My favorite Yes album is going to be either Going for the One or Drama or Close to the Edge. Uh, definitely in my top five, no doubt about it, King Crimson Beat, the, uh, the blue one, the second one. I find it the most song-based one. I would probably put Genesis Duke in there. And I would hmm. probably put in Peter Gabriel, Melting Face, the third one in there. Yeah, that's a great one, too. Yeah. I, um, I, I remember in the 80s, I was embarrassed to say I liked that album. But I, was, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. And I still, to this day, it's uh, to me, it, it's kind of timeless. I can... You're saying Abacab? Yeah. 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 I, maybe I like that one more than Duke. I just like them both a lot. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's cool. I, I love the drum production on it. Very cool. And of course, I don't know if Rush could be. Um, I know. None of us said Rush. Uh, Rush like <laughs> I'm it, surprised, Martin, you didn't say Rush. That's I always consider them a progressive metal band, the band that invented progressive metal. I never think of them as a prog band. I don't either. And if we were going to include Rush, then they would probably take over uh, a ahead of Jethro Tull. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Rush is definitely... Um, hey, they were influenced definitely by Prague. I don't care what Well, you they... know what's what's funny for me with Rush is uh, the progressive stuff was more in the 70s. Yes. You know, hem hemispheres and uh, Farewell to Kings and all that stuff. But I tend to like to listen to... Uh, just if I'm listening to Rush regularly, I like 80s through 90s Rush a little better. Even though that's not as the much the progressive stuff for some reason, but I think uh, I think the songs got better. I think Eddie Lee's voice got better, so I, I just seem to enjoy that stuff a little bit more. But Sig, if you listen to a song Cygnus, it's that that has to be Prague, doesn't it? Mark? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Their most proggy albums would be Farewell to Kings, Hemispheres, and Permanent Waves, followed by um, Moving Pictures, I suppose. Then followed by maybe Twenty One Twelve. My favorite is Signals. Um, but really? uh, but yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it it's almost blasphemy not considering Russia prog band, and why? Because basically the world gets heavier and heavier and heavier. So it's crazy to think of them as progressive metal. Um, you know, they're the band that invented progressive metal. Arguably, people all, all sometimes throw King Crimson as that band. But um, no, I I suppose. I suppose if if we have to act even a little bit young, we have to call Rush just squarely a prog band. Most most people thirty and under consider Rush a prog band. Mm. Yeah, I think so for sure. And yeah, their voice there there's a lot you know uniqueness to that band. Um, you know, and sometimes it's another thing, sign of a prog band. I think is that you get certain people that it's just not for them. Not even like the uh, songs that were popular. I'll include my wife in that. I I, she, I could tell she does not like any prog. Uh, <laughs> even if I find like a really a, a gentle song for her to like, she, she will not like it. Well, you it. could play, you know, throwing it all away on from Invisible Touch <laughs> and call it prog if you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think she, she automatically thinks geeks. But I'll have to say, hey, I'm a geek, man. What, what can I say? Well, I just spent a weekend at the Morse Fest uh, festival in, uh, that Neil Morse does in, in Nashville. So I'm uh, firmly entrenched as a prog uh, geek myself. Is he a Christian prog sort of? Uh... 
Uh, he's very yeah. I mean, he's he's very religious on in, in his in his life and and the whole thing. Not not all the music he does is, but sometimes there's more uh, more obvious statements towards it than others. Um, you know, I think sometimes he gets a bad rap for that because the music is amazing. Um, right. You know, and I th- I think it's some of the best prog or, or music out there. Um, so you just have to decide if you're comfortable, how comfortable with it you are or not, and. Uh, you know, but I think not all of it is is straight up religious, and so um, it's it's worth listening to. I think it's not, it's not striper hit you over the head religious. <laughs> no, no, it really isn't. Um, you know, some of his albums have been, but um, yeah. the last one they did, the Similitude of a Dream, which was a, a double album from uh, from uh, now tw- two years ago. Um, you know, was was influenced. You could kind of read into it, but he never says. You know, never says God, Jesus, and, and you know it doesn't. It's not direct. Also, so in that case, it's, it's it. It could be yes. Used to do the same thing back in the seventies. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. So you well, know. we're at the thirty-minute mark, and that's good for podcast. And I want to thank you guys. Okay. And what's next for you, Martin? We talked well, about Roy's book. What What are you up to now? You You seem like uh, sometimes I wonder if there are several Martin Popoffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just uh, had an Alice Cooper book get delivered, uh, so I'm mailing a lot of those out in the next couple of days. I just had a Black Sabbath book uh, come out a couple weeks before that. Um, that was just a straight early days Black Sabbath book called uh, Sabotage, Black Sabbath in the 70s. And then about two months ago, I had uh, Judas Priest, Decade of Domination came out, yeah, uh, came out so that just went up to my goodness. Uh, Defenders of the Faith. Um, I've got a Van Halen book uh a long one, 115,000 words uh, at uh, with my layout guy right now. Um, let's see, what else? Um, so I do want to do um, the part two of the re- the priest and the uh, the priest and the Sabbath were kind of repurposing but expanding on my old out of print books on those two bands. Um, so I want to do a part two, you know, a later days priest book and a later days Sabbath book. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's enough, I suppose, for right now. I'll, I'll stick with the early days Sabbath and early priest book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know the the later days ones never sell as well, but I just figure I have to put them out because they're not that much work. Because I, you know, I have the framework from the old stuff, but, but I just I love them. your early priest when you sent on early priest. I just love it. Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, I know everyone, a lot of people. I talk to fans, younger fans. They think priest started with screaming vengeance, and it's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> Martin, are you doing another uh, album by album book like the Russian Floyd ones yet? No, I haven't gotten any more deals for those. Although I do have, that's right. So this month, uh, later this month, uh, next week, I suppose, coming out is the Iron Maiden album by album, and then before the end of the year, the Queen album by album will be out. But I've got no new deals for any new ones at this point. Oh, That's the Queen one should be fun. Great. Queen, come in time just for the movie, right Right on time? Yeah, funny. Funny how that works, but it, it did, yeah. So that'll be before the end of the year as well, yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you guys for participating. Oh, I know you're both busy. Yeah, it's fun. And, thank you, man. Love doing that. Thank and you. And the next 20 albums that invented will be pr- punk and grunge, right, Martin? You'll yep. see them the upcoming gold mine issues. Yes, those ones are written already, um, and uh, yeah, I'd love to do this again for them. That'd be very cool. Fantastic! Thanks, Rod. Thank All you, right, guys. Okay. Thanks a lot. Talk to you Talk soon. Talk to you guys later.
Hi. I want to thank Martin and Roy for joining us there on the debate of Prague or the agreement of what Prague is. Um, but that was a lot of fun, and I'm sure listeners, uh, if you're into Prague, that was fun for you too. Um, also, go to Barnes & Noble or Books A Million and pick up that November issue of the 20 albums that invented progressive rock, written by Martin Popoff. Okay, well, we're signing off here, and please, uh, like I said, if you don't subscribe, pick up Goldmine at Books A Million or Barnes & Noble. And then if you do want to subscribe, go to goldminemag.com. You'll get a percentage off, and you'll get a free immediate digital download of one of our album price guides. So I'll sign off here, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.